I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are now on the 11th lesson of our Rest in Christ quarter. This week's title is Longing for More. Ah, yes, Longing for More. Yes, our passage comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we are 10. talking about the Sabbath again. We are. Yeah. We are talking about the Sabbath again, but we're, this is the Sabbath like 200 level. We're going to dive a little deeper That's into right. uh, some themes here to discuss. Uh, first well, Corinthians chapter the 10. the Sabbath and more. Right? And more. Because I'm longing, longing for more. more. All right. A third time now. First Corinthians chapter yes. 10, verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Yes. Which brings to mind, who are they and what are the examples we're learning from? And lo and behold, this week's lesson talks all about Old Testament realities and experiences that inform and apply to mm. New Testament spiritual truth. Interesting. So, so that's where we're going to go for this week. Well, and why don't so, you pray for us then and tell us what our talking points are this let's week. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study. Please bless us now as we seek to understand your truth and most importantly to apply it in our lives as your Holy Spirit opens the way. So please, Lord, let our hearts be receptive to his leading today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, our talking points for this week. Now, last week you went just crazy off the rails and did four talking points. I thought I would do the opposite and stay traditional. We're going to have three talking points this week. Training it back in. But before we get to our talking points, let me kind of give an overview here. Um, the lesson itself opens with an illustration of the model uh, little New York City that's on display there, and it's basically yes. how, uh, in fact, the the final paragraph there, if you want to read the bottom of Sabbath Afternoons. Scripture itself is full of miniature models of activities and institutions that all point to larger heavenly realities. Hebrews 4 helps us discover one of these realities as it relates to the biblical question of rest. And th that really is kind of the thesis statement for the whole week, because on Sunday's lesson, it doesn't talk about Hebrews 4, but it talks about 1 Corinthians 10 and how the Old Testament example of the Israelites uh, applies to us. Then Monday talks about the Old Testament system of ritual and sacrifice and sanctuary. Then finally, on, on the third example of an Old Testament institution is the Seventh-day Sabbath itself, and it enters us into Hebrews 4. So, all of that to say, as prelude to our talking points this week. Right. Talking point number one. Old Testament experiences teach spiritual truths. Right. So again, we're going to look at that. That kind of come from Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Well, and it takes the classic passage, First Corinthians ten. You want me to read the first few verses there? I don't, because we need to go through our three talking points before we dive in. Oh, that's right. That's See, right. I'm we're just doing. I know you're to ready to go, but let's get through. That was number one. Old Testament experiences. That's right. Because you were truths. doing the overview. That's well, right. Let's have those three All talking right. points, Cameron. Talking point number two. There is only one gospel. We're going to see that there isn't an Old Testament truth and then a New Testament truth. They're both speaking to the same spiritual reality. And you drew that from okay, Tuesday so and Wednesday. Number one, Old Testament experiences teach spiritual truths, but they're not exclusive because there's only one gospel. Exactly. That's the second point. Exactly. We're kind of bridging to a point here. And finally, number three, the Sabbath remains. 
This is a phrase lifted, exactly, lifted directly from Hebrews chapter 4, which, as the introduction told us, was going to be one of the main points that we're going to be looking at this week. All right. So you were eager to dig in here, and I think it's the right thing to do, back at talking point number one, how the Old Testament experiences teach spiritual truths. And it was you were talking yeah, about so Paul in 1 Corinthians 10. 10. Okay. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, he in verse 6, he says, These things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted, etc., etc. And again mm-hmm. in verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples and were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Right. And so there's not just one spiritual truth, but he's saying the whole no. experience of the children well, of Israel. Well, he gives several examples throughout exactly. their experience. So it's not one story, but several stories. Right. The, that the are, water, the rock, yes. the baptism, the whole thing. And here, and for instance, this quarterly picks up on this on paragraph 5 of Sunday's lesson where it says, Paul considers these important stations of the wilderness journey that we just mentioned mm-hmm. a type or an example of individual baptism. So he's saying the corporate experience of Israel as they were baptized in Christ and then fed on the the manna mm-hmm. of his, you know, Jesus would come back around and say, I'm the bread or he's the living yes. water and we're baptized into Christ. So the corporate experience of Israel becomes a template or motif for our experience individually with Christ. Well, what's unique there is that, and you hear, we like to compare our temptations sometimes, like, oh, nobody's known the trouble I've seen kind of thing. (laughs) And it it is in 1 Corinthians 10, ironically, the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. I think we pass that out like common. What does that mean? It means the same thing that happens to it. So even though your temptation isn't mine, they're still similar. The root is the this same. This is a resounding problem. And when you look and, yeah. at these experiences of Israel, no, I wasn't back there in the wilderness, but they were lusting over things. They were clamoring for the food of Egypt. They were they gossiping, were, murmuring, complaining, yeah, all, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Lack of faith. So yeah. the, the root, the temptations are, are, we have them very much in common with them. It's exactly. And that's the point Paul was trying to make and the lessons bringing out. The, another one that they brought up is, of course, from Leviticus 4 and 1 oh, Peter. Oh, incidentally... In the passage, the other point that Paul makes is they all all had the same spiritual experience as well. Mm-hmm. Not just the temptations, but with most of them, it says in verse 5, God was not well pleased. So all the spiritual blessings don't equate to you being spiritual. Yeah. When you face those same experiences, the difference is somebody's got to make a choice for Christ. And that goes well, into the Hebrews uh, 4 when we get there. The whole point obedience. of Paul writing this was so that we don't have yes. those same downfalls. So it's not like he's just looking back and saying, here's a nice painting of how things <laughs> right. used to be. He's like, no, no, no. they messed that story. exactly. Yeah. They, and you need to draw a lesson from it or yes. you're going to be in trouble like they were then. Uh, so that's one example is the ancient Israelite uh, out of bondage typifying yes. our personal experience with Christ. Yeah. Now, uh, let's look at First Peter 1 for our next one. This one comes from, uh, it's talked about in Monday's lesson. But this is talking about the sanctuary and its services. And if you sure. read for us, 1 Peter 1, 18-20. Yes, the Bible says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifesting these last times for you. 
Okay, so the next Old Testament ritual or service or experience that applies to our individual lives is the sanctuary and its services where Christ is that lamb, where Christ is the priest. The process outlines the plan of redemption. And there, the New Testament makes that one inescapably clear. I mean, it starts with John the Baptist pointing to, behold, the lamb of God. He starts making the application on day one that Jesus was the what's the, the theological term, the anti-type right. to those types and symbols in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 talks about how Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed right. for us. So all and he's called imagery. the first fruits as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, in Revelation, the Lamb of God, you know, and you see him there depicted as the Lamb that was slain. And over and over. And, over. Yeah. and one of the lessons, of course, is that all the sanctuary services are dependent on that Lamb sacrifice and the blood that is shed that fuels the whole engine, the whole economy yes. of salvation. And in Monday's lesson, on paragraph 5, it says there, at the very last, where it says, Thus blood. Can you read that for us? Thus blood was key to the whole process of atonement, the means by which we sinners can be made right with a holy God. What we see with these sacrifices, then, is a type, a model of Christ's death and ministry in our behalf. All right, so example number one came from Sunday's lesson. The experience of ancient Israel applies to us spiritually. Yes. Lesson number two came from Monday's lesson that the sanctuary and its services outline the plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. And finally, we move into Hebrews chapter four from Tuesday. I'm sorry, from uh, Wednesday's quarterly. Right. Well, we'll get there. It's Tuesday and kind of Wednesday, but ex- mostly from Tuesday. But it's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Do you have that one already? Yep. Go for it. Uh, The Bible says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. And incidentally, that word rest is the word sabbatismos. It's the only time it appears in the Greek in the New Testament. Mm. And it means the keeping of a Sabbath. The seventh day Sabbath rest. Yes. Yes. It's not just a general rest, it is a Sabbath-keeping rest. Exactly, and that's interesting what it says there. Uh, Verse 10 again, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Yes. And that's not just an offhanded allusion, it's a direct pointing back to creation, where God created, and then he rested, and we've been talking about for the last several weeks. So the creation itself... We rest like God did, and we rest from our works... When we rest from our works, the only works left are his works. <laughs> and so ironically, the Sabbath, which is so often Seventh-day Sabbath keeping is, oh, that's righteousness by works. If there's anything that can be said to be a, 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 a symbol of righteousness by faith, it's Sabbath it's keeping because yeah. I'm resting from my works. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to get into this later on about the parallel between Sabbath mm-hmm. and, and what it means here. But talking point number one is simply that Old Testament experiences teach spiritual truths. That's right. The crossing of the Red Sea, the sanctuary yes. services, and then the Sabbath itself. Yes. All New Test the New Testament authors then take those Old Testament realities and apply them to spiritual truth for our day to day. But let's take it up a notch and go to talking about number two. There is only one gospel. So let's yes. go back to Hebrews chapter six. I'm, I'm Hebrews Four. six. First Corinthians. I'm sorry. Chapter six. Uh, chapter we'll get 10. there. <laughs> we'll edit this out or something. Now we're going to leave it we're, just like the Bible. We we'll leave the foibles. We're in real there. people here. Exactly. We keep it real around here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter. First Corinthians chapter ten, starting with verse six. Uh, Let's go through 6 through 11. Do you want to go ahead and read that one? Yes. It says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. 
And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Right, so especially that last verse there, these were written for our admonition. Yes. The purpose of documenting the history of Israel was not just as a history lesson to show, boy, that's what it was like then, but to draw out to a comparison to us to say, that's the same experience they had that now you're sharing too. Yes. And this, uh, this concept of a, um, well, th there's one gospel. It, it's popular in the evangelical world to have an understanding of Bible truth called dispensationalism, right. that there's the Old Testament way of being saved, and they had to have the rituals and the Sabbath keeping and their mm -hmm. blood, but now... And obedience. And obedience, exactly. And <laughs> now it. we're in this whole separate thing. Paul's take on this, however, yes. is that these things, they, they followed, that rock was Christ, and that's the same Christ that we have now, that we're mm -hmm. still following, and that their sin is just as much a problem in our lives today if we're not guarding right. our hearts. We so, struggle with the same sin and we need the same Savior. Exactly right. Now, I found this interesting passage in uh, HL 282, which is Healthful Living. Ah, uh, yes. You want to read that for us there? Yes, Healthful Living, page 282, says, How frequently ancient Israel rebelled and how often they were visited with judgments and thousands slain because they would not heed the commands of God who had chosen them. The same injunctions that rested upon ancient Israel rest upon God's people now, to be separate from the world. The great head of the church has not changed. Now, that last line, the great head of the church, That's, the church singular, right? Old Testament and New Testament, there's one gospel. I'm the Lord, I change not, the Bible says. There's so no true. shadow of turning with the Lord. Yeah, why would you expect God to change? He doesn't need to change. We need to change. <laughs> we need to change. Now, Hebrews... Uh, parallels this in Hebrews chapter 4, which is yes. where the lesson is headed here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, the scripture reads, quote, For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, catch what they're saying. Mm -hmm. the, it didn't say a gospel or a, a plan of salvation, right. and now we have a different one. She's it is, that's this the definite right. article the gospel was preached to them right. so same gospel same gospel same christ the same, the same expectations that exactly the difference was faith. they didn't join it with faith right it didn't profit them not being mixed with faith so they didn't accept christ as a savior exactly so when the lesson brings out on wednesday paragraph three uh why don't you read that for us wednesday, wednesday paragraph, paragraph three, three says, of course, Israel did enter the promised land. A new generation crossed the border and, with God's help, took the strongholds of the land and settled there. They did not, however, enter God's rest. There it is. The idea being that many did not experience the reality of salvation in Jesus because their lack of faith was manifested by flagrant disobedience. Even though rest was associated with the land, it included more than just where the people lived. Their lack of faith was manifested by flagrant disobedience. So how did they not enter the rest? Because they did enter the promised land, mm -hmm. but they didn't enter his rest. 
And I think that's an interesting, you, know, you think like, oh, that's talking about Moses' generations. They didn't actually go in. But even Joshua, when they went in, they went into the place of rest, but they didn't have the experience of rest because it was not mixed with faith. Well, one of the things that we see here in the lessons going to get into is they had real problems with Sabbath keeping. Now, there are people who take this today and say, well, they didn't enter the rest because there's a spiritual aspect. Well, that's true, and that's what mm -hmm. we're talking about. But that's always manifested in outward obedience. Exactly, manifest um, obedience. Now, granted, you can outwardly obey certain rituals about Sabbath keeping. That doesn't equate to true Sabbath keeping. But if you are truly entered into the rest of Christ, you can't be disobeying. You can't be living mm. a life of disobedience. And if you look at ancient Israel, again and again and again, they fell into disobedience and idolatry and not keeping the Sabbath, and they were trying to make Sabbath reforms, mm -hmm. and you have this as a manifestation of the fact that they didn't, they had not entered that rest. So even though they entered okay. physically into the land yes. promised to them, they didn't have the experience of rest that the Lord wanted them to have because of their own lack of faith and activating faith of obedience. That's right. So that's a fascinating. So parallel. you could actually yeah. say that there are. You look at ancient Israel, and and you could see a manifestation of that lack of the spiritual rest, in the fact that they didn't keep the Sabbath. Um, however, at the same time, now I was going to say today you see people who can go to church on Saturday and do all that, but may not be in that spiritual rest. But when I even as I think about yeah. it. The type of Sabbath keeping, and we talked about this a little bit last exactly, week, yeah. suffers because then it becomes that you just show up at church at 11.35, stay for 15 minutes, you get the mm -hmm. sermon on the ear, and you go home. That's mm -hmm. not Sabbath keeping. Well, so. and that's exactly what Isaiah dealt with in our last week's lesson. Mm -hmm. Like These are people who wanted to hear from the Lord, but they weren't really experiencing the true rest yes. that Christ wanted because they were living in lives of disobedience. And that's the singular gospel experience, or lack thereof, that's, right. that's common in both Old and New Testaments. That's right. So let's round this out with uh, talking point number three. Three words. The Sabbath remains. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just read these through very quickly. I'll just read verses 1, 6, and 9 of Hebrews 4, okay. and notice if you find a theme here emerging. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem, uh, seem to have come short of it. Right? Verse 6. Since, therefore, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience... Then he goes on, verse 9, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people mm. of God. That the Sabbath, far from being done away with, That's right. the New Testament repeatedly emphasized the Sabbath remains. Remains, remains, remains. And verse 9 is key, as we mentioned, and I'm going to say it again. Please. For emphasis, when he says there remains, therefore, mm. once you say the word therefore, you're wrapping in everything else you said before. So all these remaining things he talked about in the previous verses you just read all come to play right here where he says there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And again, in the original language, in the Hebrew language, the word is sabbatismos. Mm -hmm. And Sabbath it specifically keeping. refers to the keeping of the Sabbath day. Mm. So... This rest that he's talking about that we haven't entered, that re promise remains of a rest, in the context is the Sabbath, as you talked about. The Sabbath remains. It's not some generic rest. It's not right. some ethereal rest. This is true Sabbath keeping is going to be part of the experience of And as our last people. two weeks lessons have pointed out, that Sabbath keeping is not just a mechanical, rote right. kind of timekeeping thing, but it's a reminder of our creation and of our purpose and our redemption and our freedom yes. from Christ, uh, from sin, sin. Yep. And, and, our, and our witness to others. There's a lot in that Sabbath, so it's not just mm -hmm. like, so you're saying we have to clock in for Sabbath and we're good. No, 
But the literal keeping of the seventh day Sabbath draws out and, and manifests all of these blessings that spiritually we're, we have the yes. opportunity to enjoy. So when, the, so when I put it here in the lesson, uh, the Sabbath remains, quote, in several ways. First of all, it's a weekly memorial of Christ's work of creation. So there's a literal weekly commandment to keep the Sabbath. But beyond just the clocking in, a personal experience of salvation in Jesus Christ is what we can ex enjoy mm -hmm. with that. And finally, and this is where the lesson really goes, is the Sabbath is a foretaste of heaven where sin will be no more. So that we can get a little piece of heaven here on earth as we commune with God and enter into that promised rest. It's That's a really right. beautiful promise. So I'm going to read now verses 6 through 8, still from Hebrews chapter 4, picking up that second, therefore it remains. It says Hebrews uh, 4, 6 through 8, Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again he designates a certain day, saying in David today, after such a long time as it had been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken mm -hmm. of another day. Mm -hmm. So this is this is the Sabbath remaining, and he's saying, though they did have the Sabbath then, and in some capacity did observe the Sabbath. They didn't really enter the rest. And even when they went into the land of promise, they really That's didn't right. still rest in Christ as he wanted them well, to. Well, but let's Thus clarify the something remains. here. Again, the lesson is trying to hit on something that, that for much of the evangelical world, Hebrews 4 is the argument against Seventh-day Sabbath keeping. Right. Because the rest is a spiritual rest in Christ. And they try to divorce the two, which you can't do. Exactly. And so the implication is, well, see, Joshua didn't give them rest, but they went into the Promised Land and kept the Sabbath. Let's be clear. You read the scriptures. They, they were not, not keeping keep the, Sabbath. the Sabbath in the Promised Land. Exactly when Nehemiah right. comes in and they come back from Reform and they're buying and selling mm. and all kinds of provisions at the gate on the Sabbath, they weren't keeping the Sabbath. Exactly right. Isaiah in Isaiah 58 is not calling out Sabbath reform and telling them to turn their foot away from the Sabbath because they were keeping the too Sabbath. Much, yeah. <laughs> so the mindset, it's true that they, you know, Joshua didn't give them rest. They didn't have spiritual rest. Uh, even though they came into the promised land. And Paul's point is to try to say being in the land of Canaan was not the point. Mm -hmm. Having the, the rest of, in Christ is the point. But he wasn't in any way negating the Seventh-day Sabbath. That's tied to it. And How many times in Paul's writing would he be like, you're saved by faith, uh, saved by grace through faith. And you're like, so, but am I saying that you have can, you can go sin now? Yes. And there seems to be an overcorrection. It's like, oh, we need to get away from that legalist Sabbath keeping. So we're just going to have this g g generic, nebulous, ethereal yes. rest in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost as though they're pitted against each other. You, you, you either keep the legalistic Sabbath or you have the experiential rest. When what Christ is saying is mm -hmm. the true experience with Christ is obedience to commands. Yes. And you'll experience it most in you know, loyalty. Well, that's to what I was going to say. In Hebrews 4, if there's one recurring theme, it's obedience. Mm. Over and over, he's like, I don't want you to fall after the same example of disobedience. Mm -hmm. The last few verses of chapter 3, as he's leading in, and to whom did he swear that he would not, they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey. Mm. So we, we, we see they could not enter in because of unbelief, and he ties those things together. Notice the unbelief the and not obeying are together right. there. Right. And so verse 6, Since it therefore it remains that some must enter, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of 
disobedience. It would be ironic in this context. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Mm. It would be very ironic in that context to say, by the way, don't worry about obeying the commandments. <laughs> to use Hebrew 4 as a, as a, as a reason to disobey the commandments. Right. His whole emphasis of the way, to, the way you know you're resting in Christ is you obey Christ. Amen. Well, and I think that the that's contributors and editors from. of the lesson understood that when you look at Hebrews chapter 4 and you talk about the Sabbath, you're tempted to go one of two ways. That's Either right. it's just about Sabbath keeping, so we need to clock in more, right. or it's about this woo, big picture, whatever, yes. ill-defined rest. And so I've included into the study notes, and you paragraphs 2 and 4 yes. of Thursdays, where they try to address that, and I think they do well. Why don't you, could you read those two for us, please? Yeah, at times Hebrews 4 has been used to emphasize the observance of the seventh-day Sabbath, while others have used it to challenge the validity of this Sabbath rest in the light of the fact that there is another end-time rest. Neither position reflects the biblical text well. Instead, the text suggests that the end-time focus of, on God's special rest has been present since creation, and that the celebration of the Sabbath rest offers a small weekly taste of that end-time rest. Contrary to arguments of some interpreters, the context does not support the suggestion that the Sabbath commandment had been fulfilled in the rest of salvation that Christ brought, making it unnecessary for Christians to obey it. The ultimate rest we are promised through what Christ has done for us does not replace the biblical Seventh-day Sabbath. On the contrary, it enhances it. Mm. It's, it makes me think of like when Christ was on the cross and you know, we think, oh, now that Christ has fulfilled the law, so right. we're, now we're done. He's like, he's like, do not think I've come to do this, right? That's right. And, and the same with the Sabbath rest. Because there is a rest spiritually in Christ, does that nullify the law that Christ gave us about? No. The Sabbath is that model that he commands us so that we can truly experience the rest he provides. It's beautiful. That's anyway, right. so Jesus died to save us from our sin. He died for our sin, not to enable us to continue in sin. Hey, it's no big deal. He died for our sin, so I can keep sinning. That's mercy. That's, God forbid. God forbid. Say. And that's exactly the point I, I wanted to draw out here: is that the Old Testament examples and the New Testament life that we're supposed to be living. There's one gospel. There's one temptation. There's one Savior, and the, exactly the Sabbath right. remains exactly as the Lord intended it. Pointing to the creative power of that Savior and the redeeming Absolutely. power of that Savior. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, on the way I closed out these study notes this time was actually to include the discussion question number four from Friday's lesson where it says, right. think about all the mistakes made and the lack of faith the children of Israel manifested in the wilderness. Though the details of their challenges are different from ours, we're not wandering through a vast desert, for example, what common principles are there? That is, how in our own Christian walk might we be confronted with the same challenges they were, and how can we learn from their mistakes? Which I think that rhetorical question could be answered, maybe not in the Sabbath class, like volunteer yes. or testimony time. But we need to think about the fact, that's why Paul wrote what he did in 1 Corinthians 10, was like, consider their experience and lack of faith not just as a reflection of how bad they were, but to make sure that you don't repeat it. Right. The point of that's the point of this week's lesson is to bring us the re reflective thoughts like this one. Like, how exactly. can I make sure I don't fall after the same example? And the same thing with Hebrews four. When we look at the yeah. Sabbath, I don't want to have to pit the spiritual reality versus the literal command. Why can't we have a true walk with Jesus that, if you love me, keeps my commandments? Amen. Let's pray, pray for as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to study these important themes. Lord, we want to find our true rest in Jesus Christ, but not devoid of obedience, contrary at all. We want to be loyal to Jesus. We want to demonstrate our love 
through obedience. So Lord, forgive us where we've fallen short, lift us up again through the power of your Holy Spirit, and keep us until we see Jesus come. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.